Welcome back to Mumblecore. Still our first attempt at a podcast, still learning. And once again, I'm Bacon. And I'm Charlotte. And we are back for round two. More movies. More movies, different theme. Um, Yeah. So we've learned a lot, maybe, since last last episode. Here we are. <sighs> yeah, what has happened in the past week? I have been watching a lot of movies, and now I have the problem where I'll have a thought and be like, oh, I just watched this thing, and then I can't, like, 12 movies will come to me, and I'll be like, what could this be from? I have been following you on Letterboxd, and you've been watching, like, four movies a day. Like, there's a lot happening. Because I have nothing to do except a thousand-piece puzzle on my floor. That I now just have to step around every time I walk in my room. That's working for you, though. That's good. Yeah. What have you been doing? Oh, so very little. Like, so aggressively little. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been finishing up work for this job that I'm finishing before I start my new one. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's about it. Besides watching documentaries and some movies. You watch all the new movies. Your letterbox is like always 2021. Up to date. I'm trying to. I'm trying to stay up to date because I feel like I did a really bad job in 2020. Mm-hmm. I get that. So, it makes sense. But I'm yeah. already, I feel like I'm already so behind on all of yeah, these old movies. Well, I can say for movies, new movies that I've watched, I've really enjoyed none of them so far. So like you're not missing out. So. Okay. Perfect. It's all good. I've sort of not enjoyed the movies I've been watching anyway. Yeah. And then what else is going on in my life? Well, you saw Cleo earlier, and Cleo is in heat and needs to be spayed, and it's... <laughs> Megan has a cat named Cleo, in case I do know. have... Yeah, and th- that should have prefaced that, yes. I have a cat, <laughs> a little kitten named Cleo, and <sighs> she needs to be spayed so bad. But <laughs> apparently... <laughs> Thursday, maybe. Oh, God, I hope so. But they were like, they took like blood work and they're like, we'll call you and make sure it's all good. And I was like, they will have not called me yet. And I'm like, if they tell me I can't get this cat spayed, it's going to be a problem. But it's okay. I love her. It's great. It's okay. She can stay in heat if she needs to. Yeah. It's her choice. She pees everywhere and it's a problem. And that's going to be fixed with spaying? Yes. It's like a territorial thing that she'll like pee places but okay so that's my life as a cat owner at the moment so it's been hard (laughs) um my life as a person who feeds herself has been hard i had okay i made tomato soup this week as my like recipe of the week because lately Mm -hmm. my roommate's been cooking once a week and i've been cooking once a week and then we kind of like feed off of those items for (laughs) dinner for the rest of the week and i made tomato soup which is very hard to make because my blender doesn't accommodate hot liquids. So I had to stick a bowl of cooked tomato gunk in the freezer for an hour while I watched a movie and in waited the for freezer? it to- freezer? Yeah, so it could cool down. So I could put it in the blender and then reheat it to eat it. Okay. Anyway, also the thing about tomato soup is like, you can't eat it alone. Like it's not a full dinner. Like you have to eat it with something like crackers or valid, valid, like okay, grilled, grilled cheese. cheese. Yeah, like, that's the classic. Can I did it with I don't a quesadilla? Know, tomato soup with like little uh, meatballs in it is really good. Where am I getting meatballs? Like I'm not doing. You that. could ground beef, roll them into balls. You're a that's chef. True. You can that's make it true. happen. You literally worked in the food industry. You can make a meatball. I could make a meatball. I have definitely made meatballs, but I don't want to do that in my home. 
Anyways, that was uneventful. I finished it up tonight, though. Well, today is also the Super Bowl, which neither of us are watching because we don't care. Who cares? Well, when I when I texted you, I was like, oh, do you want to record today? And I was like, oh, but if you're busy, it's totally fine. And your response was, why would I be busy? I had to tell you that it was going to be the Super Bowl. I guess it's just common knowledge. Also, Timothy Chalamet is in a commercial, so I suppose <laughs> we should be watching. Did, okay, um, we'll talk about that. Because did you see it yet? No, of course not. <laughs> why not? Is They've already released it. Yes, they released How do you think people saw it and There's... talked about it? I mean, he posted that he was going to be in it, right? Yeah, but they they release a lot of those commercials before the actual Super Bowl date. Like, it was, I saw it online. I don't know. I'm not an advertiser. I, didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't know that. I also saw the picture of him as Edgar Scissorhands, and I was like, why is he in a California housing development? Like, what is, yeah. Yeah. Where is he? Well, he's definitely out in California, because I did recognize my old uh, high school slash college campus thing that i went to that was like a weird situation that we don't need to get into yet we won't um, ever yeah it was a middle college high school it's fine i'm weird um but they're fully film a scene there and i was like oh look at that that's weird. i went to class in that building yeah they film it was for a car commercial and they fil- film car commercials out here all the time so it was Cadillac, right i don't know okay me neither no idea. It was a car. It was a car, and I think, yeah, it was Timothy Chalamet and Winona Ryder and doing Edgar Scissorhands. Yeah. But, like, do they only do that because Timothy Chalamet looks like he's on the verge of death, and they're like, like oh, he looks, he like Johnny looks just like him in that? Is that why they did it? I don't know. Maybe they were like, we have, we had a hot man who did this years ago, and now we can capitalize on another hot man doing this today. I don't know. Great. Yeah. Um... This week I finished a book. It's a brief interviews with hideous men, which was it's okay. What yeah, is this book? It's David Foster Wallace's short stories. Of course it is. They're fucking stupid. Like I had to. Ugh, it was fine. He's really good, but there were many of them that I had to like force myself to finish because I was like, first of all, you're going very. It's essentially going into detail about annoying douchebag men, and I'm like, who cares? Not my subject matter. There were like a couple good stories. But then of course I took a walk and listened to his This Is Water commencement speech and I was like, I'm feeling so many things. <laughs> I like his interviews, yeah. I like listening you're to him obs- talk. You're obsessed with him. I can't... A little bit, which is so mortifying. I suppose that goes into our theme, right? Things that we're obsessed with but are mortified that we are obsessed with. It's tough because I do think he's great, but I do also think he's fucking annoying. I don't know. It's like, why? It's like, he's just like elitist and kind of like, too smart for his own good. I guess he said, like, that's a good point. It's a good transition into our theme this week. Mm-hmm. Right? Wasn't that smooth? Was, as I just grabbed that? Wasn't that smooth, she says. Yes. <laughs> what a great transition, you know? To, um, yeah. to our theme this week. Again, we're saying this week as if we're going to podcast every week but we don't know we are maybe we will probably going to for the rest of our lives until we have a single person listen and then we can die so the theme we chose this week which was kind of one of the ones we brainstormed but Mm -hmm. i think i I chose it i chose this one this week because i felt that we needed to do one more positive than last week where we aggressively just shat on the movie we didn't we didn't love that no and we knew we weren't no. going to love them. We set ourselves up. 
for hatred. Yeah, but we still wanted to keep something where we could be self-deprecating because we need that in our mm-hmm. lives. Um, so someone needs to tear is... me down. Yeah, I have to tear exactly. myself down because, as discussed, I have started a screenplay. Yes. <laughs> oh, before we get into the theme, yeah, you're starting a screenplay. Mm-hmm. That's what we should have talked about. That's like you're really. It's a moving into a, a new chapter in your life by doing that. It's an idea that I have for a sad road trip movie. And oh, I love a sad road I, trip movie. Also, I the way that I envision it is like flashback heavy, which I don't okay. know how I feel about like a movie that's made in flashbacks. So we'll see how that goes. Okay. Because I do well, think like, it's kind just, of lame. Okay, we just watched a movie where flashbacks were used heavily, and we will discuss later. <laughs> Anyways, so theme that we're doing not charlotte's screenplay but may inspire her screenplay is <laughs> and in fact it <laughs> it did okay great so we are going to be talking this week about movies that we are ashamed to love mm-hmm. and i feel like we had an interesting conversation about trying to define what this theme really meant yes because it was like what is the definition of shame for us do we personally have to be ashamed by it is it something that like we can love but be proud of but everyone else finds shameful and i don't think we really decided on an answer no i think yours is maybe one that you like know is corny but like but, but you anyways. love it but i think a lot of people probably love it and a lot of it's like an action movie essentially and so it's like exhilarating yeah in all the good ways that action movies are. And I think it makes you feel smart to watch it. And then... Interesting. But, okay. Smart? <laughs> okay, cool. And then I think mine is something that... Not that it's object. It's not that objectively better. It's like a higher It's objectively brow. better. Yes, it's, like, it's objectively better. Okay. It's a different... It's a different type of movie. They're so drastically yes. different. Like last week, like we were in the similar kind of like world. Yes. This one is just like fully... Two very different, different situations. Movies. Yes. And I think the one that I picked is like, knows it's better, but I'm still embarrassed to admit that I like it because it's such, just a pretentious, like, jerk off movie. Like, it's just a bunch of dudes circle jerking. And I'm like, they're so yeah. interesting, though, but they're smart dudes, which is how I feel about David I... Foster Wallace, probably. Exactly. But what I will say is, like, I think really where we settled is the shame has to be like a personal shame like why do we like this like we don't care if other people like this like it is a personal shame Mm -hmm. situation and i think we have shame for different reasons for our movies but it's the kind of thing where if somebody asked you to talk about it you would have to insert a sentence that is like i know i'm embarrassed but here are my thoughts that's a good yeah that's a good way to describe it like we would be like ugh, do we have to admit this yes we would have to preface it with like we know how this seems to you. <laughs> okay, and then, so I guess we can get into it then. Because, okay, we had a debate about who went, was going to mm-hmm, go first. Obviously. Because I was, yeah, clearly before this, as we do weird things with our hands on pray. FaceTime that no one can see. We're praying. Um, but we were debating because I was like, oh, sh- Charlotte, you should go first because I went first last time. But then you were had a very clear image of how you wanted this to go, that you wanted to start with mine and move on to yours. Mm-hmm. That's just how I was picturing it. I don't know why. But... I think we can go with that. I feel like yours has more interesting conversations, so we can just start with mine to just get... Oh, I have things to say about yours. You think I... Okay, good. You think it won't be interesting? <laughs> okay, well, we'll see. But anyway, well, then I guess we'll get into it. So my pick for a movie that I am ashamed to love, to the level that I do, is National Treasure. This movie, I fucking love it. 
it defined my childhood, honestly, in more ways that I would like to that I would like to admit. Would you say you wanted to be a treasure hunter? Okay, so I'll start. I have I'll s- I have so much to say on this movie. Um, yes. First of all, I'm obsessed with treasure hunting. Like it's the coolest fucking thing in the world. And it's fake. yes, I did. Um, it's not fake. It's a uh-huh. real thing, <laughs> and I can tell you stories of people that I have personally met that are treasure hunters. Oh, that's dark. I'm so sorry your life has led you to meet treasure hunters. It's great. I stayed at a bed and breakfast once in Australia with a man who was very cool. His name was Paul. I think it was Paul. Mm -hmm. And he was a deep sea diver and he has found a sunken Spanish ship and is going to like go down and get all the treasure off of it. And it's a big deal. And he settled it like in the U.S. Supreme Court to get the rights to this treasure. Is he sure there's treasure? Things. Um, he, like, the same way that in this movie, they believe that there is treasure, you know? Like, all signs point to yes, but no one has seen it. Exactly. But there's definitely fucking treasure. (laughs) Megan's like, there's no doubt about there being treasure. So to start off with, treasure hunting is real, it's fucking cool, and this movie is, oh, this movie is so good. Okay, let me, for people who haven't seen this, let me start with, like, the information. Of course, 2004. (laughs) <laughs> yes, two. <laughs> thank you, 2004. And what I will say is I think I included ratings this time around because I think it's important to know that how other people felt about this movie and why I should be ashamed that I love this movie to the level I do. Okay. It has a 40 it has a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And a 39% on Metacritic. Yeah. There it so, is. So like it's not well liked Mm -hmm. and my favorite film critic roger ebert also hated this movie just like fucking hated it was like this is a ripoff of the da vinci code which we will discuss later i've never seen the da vinci code nor have i ever read the da vinci code okay well like they're similar but i don't care they're not that similar okay um but anyway so national treasure 2004 has an amazing cast like there's some good people in this i can't express to you how much i had a visceral reaction to him him being Nicolas Cage kissing Diane Kruger because he's so ugly. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into that. But... She's kind of really hot. So, yeah. She's so... She's gorgeous. Yeah. She's amazing in this movie. She's gorgeous. But, yeah, it's Nicolas Cage, Diane Kruger, Justin Bartha playing a fantastic sidekick character. Everyone loves Riley. Yeah. Sean Bean's in here. He plays a villain. Harvey Keitel's in it. You have John Voight, who's now, like, an insane Trump supporter and is, like, a bad person. So, like, that's not great. But, like, he's a he has, like, a, he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. So, like, the cast is great. The score is fantastic. I fucking love it. But basically, what this movie is about is a group of modern treasure hunters, which, FYI, do exist, Charlotte. Okay. They are okay. real. It's a thing. I know. And... Yeah, it's it's a cool job. I don't have it's a, a cool job. job. It's like essentially, it's a thing. Okay, but anyways, it's led by archaeologist Ben Gates, played by Nicolas Cage, and they are searching for treasure that is rumored to be hidden by the founding fathers during the Revolutionary War because they were actually all secretly a part of the Knights Templar. So that is kind of what the movie is. He's looking for treasure also. and he has to steal the Declaration of Independence, which he says at least seven times. Which is a fantastic line. It's not and, a fantastic line. Uh, it is. It's a line that defined my childhood. No, it's I am going to steal so the Declaration of Independence. He's just like, but then he's, they're always so tense. And it's like, 
so I'm going to steal the declaration. He's like, you can't steal it. And they say it like six times over and over again because they know that like the seven-year-olds watching are going to like be like, yes, they're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I was that seven-year-old and I was into it. The first thing about it, of course. Okay, yeah, initial reactions. Well. Please give them to me. First of all, the first thing is that the, Okay, first of all, the movie's playing, and I'm like, when are they going to go to London and do the thing with the desk? Which I then realized is National Treasure too. <laughs> the whole movie. That is the second one. I was one. like, we're pretty far into this movie. When are we going to England? Stupid. Maybe it's France. I don't even know. But <laughs> it's the initial thing where they're like, do you know how hard it is to steal the Declaration of Independence? Like, you can't do it. And I was like, Ocean's Eleven has already come out. Like, you, they robbed the Bellagio. Like, you can, it's okay. It's just a document. Yeah, but, okay, it's not just a document, I know it's not just a document, but if you think about it, the level of protection of the Declaration of Independence, whatever, it's high. But it's like, what are you going to do if you have the deck? Like, who do they think is going to steal it? Like, would you steal it and you sell it to a foreign power who's going to ransom it? Like, is it worth money? Like, What's the point of no? So okay, I it. did research. I did clearly research this, and again, I researched this as a child. So it's like, is this true? Yeah. Is this how they protect it? And essentially, what they're saying, what they most people say, is that it's not a high threat item because of what you're saying. Yeah, like you can't sell it in the black market. You can't display it anywhere. So it's like not really in danger. Like, could it be like a a weird terrorist attack thing? Maybe, but I don't think that's really like, like if somebody were to be like. America, give us 100 billion or we will burn the document. I would be like, America, let it burn. It's just a piece of paper. Like, we have a million copies of it. Whereas the money in the Bellagio, you could spend. <laughs> okay, but in this movie, it means more because they have to use it to get the map to get oh, the treasure. Do you think later. that anybody who put it under lock and key knows that the map is on the back? Do you think that's why they're uh, doing Diane- it? Yeah, Diane Kruger didn't know. Like, and she worked with it all the time. But that's the thing. It would make sense if it was under that level of surveillance if they knew the map was on the back. But they don't know. So why? Who can? Well, maybe they do. Conspiracy theory time. (laughs) There is treasure. (laughs) It's real. Maybe everyone working at the National Archives knows. Yeah, I was just kind of like, this is a heist movie. This, okay. This movie has everything, and this is why I love it. It's an action movie. It's a heist movie. It's a double heist movie, because there's t- two heists happening simultaneously against each other, which is great. Which happens in the oceans as well. Okay, I understand that, but I'm talking about this movie, and it's amazing. There's romance, there's comedy, there's great action scenes. It has everything. And it's ultimately a button. He literally pushes a button. Yeah, because he got all the other stuff to let him push the button. It's like, they don't need- I mean, yeah, it's like thrilling to find clues. Like, I'm not gonna- It's also cool to watch an explosion in, like, a cold place. (laughs) I was like, this is a cool (laughs) shot. It was great. Like, ice and fire, I get it. (sighs) It starts off- It's just- It gets you from the beginning. You're like, first of all- It just goes. Beginning, first scene, lots of exposition in a way that isn't an affront to you. It's also Jumanji vibes. I'm like, okay- very Jumanji vibes, and also I'd like to point out is I was rewatching it, and I'm sure as a child I was like, oh my gosh, but I was like, the brother from Hannah Montana placed um, the grandfather. That I just saw that, and I, I was know. like, oh my god. The brother from Hannah Montana doesn't play the grandfather? Wait. No, 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 in the flashback, the great, great, great grandfather, Thomas Gates. Yeah. Who's the driver. That's the brother from Hannah Montana? Yes, it is. It's Jay- I wrote it down. It's Jason Earl. Jason Earl, who's then 30, playing a 17-year-old brother. <laughs> exactly. But, like, again, like, there's just great early 2000s references. Okay, here's the thing. Riley, like, that look has fully come back. Like, I would buy those glasses today. I thought that the yeah, whole Yeah, no, movie, it, has, it has come back. It was back. like, I would like that. date him. 
and then become him. I would steal his skin. <laughs> I think he's hot. <laughs> okay, he is. Like I like you I like him. Like he is one of the best sidekick characters ever and like he's fucking funny. Mm-hmm. He's smart but not like aggressively not smart, smart to be annoying mm-hmm. and I like that. We all love the scene which takes place by the way in an urban outfitters where he's like Oh my god, I know something about history you guys don't know. Like, daylight savings, blah, blah, blah. It's pretty good. Amazing. It's a great scene. Amazing. It's a great... I... God, no, I love this. Like, my first note of watching this movie in my little notebook is, oh my gosh, I am transported to my childhood. How do I remember every single detail of this movie? Like, as it was happening, I was like, oh my god, I know all of this. This is fantastic. My note was, I'm dying that poor cashier at Urban. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh my god, daylight savings, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, um, can I have my money back, please? No, but it's it's great. The movie just, like, okay, the score is fantastic. The movie starts off right away. It throws you into that, like, cool, ice, like, middle of nowhere war. Yes. Okay. Again, I forget. Thank you. This was my complete first question. They were, like, the thing, the text that sh- shows up is, like, somewhere north of the Arctic Circle. I'm, like, Canada? Norway? Greenland? Russia? Where the fuck are we? I don't it's know. It's unclear just snowy area but that's like and i don't i want to know and then of course i didn't care somebody is asking the natural question which is like why is there a ship in the middle of ice and nothing and riley explains it immediately but it doesn't make any sense he's like oh the hurricanes that freeze the ocean i'm like the ocean if you're telling me right now that the ocean freezes maybe i would believe you because i don't know anything about the ocean but like (laughs) what the fuck he was like oh because the ocean freezes and then unfreezes i was like shut up riley that's a lie what do you think is happening with global warming with the glaciers? But that's not the ocean. Like, they're in the ocean. You're like, right. that's the whole thing. You're right, water so, can freeze. Water does freeze. So that's um an interesting revelation we've taken away <laughs> from this already. Interesting. Yes. But, no, it's, like, that scene is great. Because you just immediately start with a double cross. Mm-hmm. And I will say, though, they do use, I think this is the fact that it's an early 2000s movie. They use slow motion too much in this movie. Like, when they're throwing the flare, doesn't work. Also, I will say, the whole movie, Nicolas Cage is asking everybody if they're okay at all times. And, like, is he a cancer? He's very... Like, what? He's... And it's a very cancer thing he's to like, do. He's like, is everybody okay? Like, on the phone, he's like, is she okay? Are you okay? Is everyone okay? Hey, is everyone okay? I'm like, you're on a treasure hunt. He's a, he's a nice dude. Like, he cares about his people. Except for when he you know? just completely patronizes Diane Kruger, the whole movie. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a problem. So he's like, honey, stop talking, honey. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. Okay, yeah, the, the beginning part is rough, but I will say, well, Diane Kruger is an icon in this. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, like, you, you texted me this. She's Way too, Way too hot. hot for him. Way too hot for Completely Nicolas unbelievable. Cage. Like, who cast Nicholas Cage? She's. I don't know who else you could cast for a movie like this, though. Any man. <laughs> Literally any of the Chris's. That... Hemsworth, Pine, uh... Pratt, Evans. I'm fine with any of them. Do you know what? You're right. But they they were too young. We're, they couldn't like, do this. They were too young. They were too young. Fucking George Clooney. I don't care. Yeah, but like Nicholas Cage brings the right level of like energy. He brings the right level of nerd. Him. Like he's. Ugly enough to believe that he would be a treasure hunter. <laughs> okay, I don't know what you have against treasure hunters, but cool. Um, but yeah, she's just she was my childhood hero. I was like, she's hot. She fucking like is super but the smart. Thing is, she's not. She's even, a badass. Like, she is a badass, but she's not even the hero of this story. Like ultimately, it's In him. My she mind, just kind of. She gets... was the hero. 
you know, it's not like she ever brings anything new to the table that he doesn't already know. I think it's just him being like, oh my god, I've finally met a woman who thinks like I do. It's not like, oh, I've met a woman who's smarter than me. Which is what every man should look for. (laughs) Although I was thinking, I was texting somebody that I know and I was like, I have to marry somebody who's smarter than me because... I would much rather listen to somebody smarter than me talk for the rest of my life than talk to somebody stupider than me. I totally agree right? with that. But at the same time, I'd be insecure if I was the stupider one in the relationship. Oh, I don't think I'd care. I'd be like, <laughs> I will take out the trash in return for being <laughs> the stupider one. i will be like, if you can put up with me being stupider than you, then yeah, I'll do some Interesting. labor. <laughs> labor? Yeah, okay. Like I'll be- Interesting dynamic. Yeah, I'll have to think about that one more in okay. my private journals. Well, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, work that out. Like, make sure it's coming from a good place. And then... I will say one of my major notes was that does every heist movie involve a van with lots of wires in it? Like... There was... This one... There's a lot of van oceans. work. Also, this. have you seen Ready Player One? Yes. Oh my god, the great van in that one where he does his whole thing. <laughs> I yes, kind of like Ready but, Player One. Oh, that's incredibly maybe corny. that should have been. Maybe that should have been yours okay, but I, this week. I don't like it, like it. But I was like, okay, Spy Kids okay, three vibes. I almost did Spy Kids three. Yeah, there was a lot of options for this this round. We're embarrassed movies, by a lot. But, but yeah, we really we really are. But we like went with this one. But anyways, I need to go back to Abigail Chase because she's great. Okay. But she looks she looks amazing at the gala. Yeah. Like, she looks so good. Like, she just looks great, and... I was like, if I'd get married in that, I would. Not that I would ever get married, but... Exactly. But, like, that dress is gorgeous. And also, she... No, it's a stunt person. I do love that she's just, like, can hold on to the edge of the car during oh, the car yeah. chase scene. In a full dress and And heels. that he's somehow I able assume to she's still catch her from, by holding onto a seatbelt, <laughs> hanging out of his yeah. own van. But, like, again, this is why they needed vans, because vans allow for a lot of, like, That kind of, dynamic that kind of door that goes... Forth. The kind of door that's on a set a of wheels. Yeah. Is that the that the word? Yeah, I think the word I'm looking for is sliding door. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that I noticed uh, listening back to our last recording. That's like there's a lot of times that I'm trying to say a word that I clearly my mind can't figure it out. Like I am explaining a definition. I'm not like I couldn't think of the word coworkers. Apparently, <laughs> like that was something that I was like, why am I not saying the word coworkers? Yeah, so much of this is just me being like I. I'm unprepared, and I don't really know what to say next. But I did think that when he got the bifocals, the, like, Benjamin Franklin glasses, he was, like, some sort of ocular device. It was like, my guy, that's a pair of glasses. Like, (laughs) why did you say that? Because he's educated. Yeah, there were definitely some lines where he was, like, being all extra serious, and I was like, this is corny as fuck. It's corny. It's for children. Yeah, it is for children. I will argue that- I think that's why- I'm embarrassed for it. Yes. But, like, I'm into it. I'm so into it. It had the same kind of vibe as Star Wars, where you're like, this is kind of corny at times. But ultimately, you're like, okay, it's, like, fun to watch. It's engaging. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess, I, well, spoiler alert, I fucking love Star Wars. So, <laughs> I'm like, I'll watch those. Spoiler alert, I like watch those Star Wars less than Megan. <laughs> but I still like that. Yeah. Somewhat. But it's, like... I don't, it's fun. Like, I love the scenes where they're, like, they're using the kid to get the letters. That was cool. It's, it's smart. Great. It's smart. It's set. I uh, like a lot of the criticism of this movie. One of which I read from like Roger Ebert, who I always read his reviews and love, is that they're like it's always just like one clue leads to the other, and like this is how we're going about it. 
And that's like gets boring for a lot of people, but I loved each setup. Like how they got each clue, I was like, brilliant. Like the kid, like the fact that like they're like he's gone by the time the kid gets Because he back. figures it out because Riley has one moment where he's smart. I was the shot when they're up at the bell and then he realizes where the fucking brick is. I was like, this is not like the shot of the bricks. I'm like, this is fake. Like this is an animation. And then when he's like close up like getting the brick out I was like this is he's on ground level like it just was like I was like something about this isn't quite right I don't think it's uh yeah I do not they were hiding something from us really I don't think I think they were hiding the fact that Nicolas Cage was not on a roof no he was not on a roof for that shot is what I'm arguing and that's yeah like and I agree with you (laughs) you're like I don't care you're gonna have a lot of problems with movies if that bothers you because movies are lies the dressing room scene as a child I was like, this is peak romance. Like, I remember watching it and being like, this is, this is everything. Clearly at the end, she's like, I made you a map. I'm like, is this a map to sex? I was like, are we supposed- Oh, it's clearly a sex comment. Um, clearly. A map to sex. I was like, what is it? Like, X marks the I will the say- <laughs> What? I was just like, it's it's very like be four that. children, like, implying- Oh, yeah. Like, there's, like, all the times, like, the, like, look, everyone is looking at Diane Kruger's ass in this movie. The and shot it's, like, implied... of her bare feet with the bootcut jeans at the Urban Outfitters, I was like, someone knew. So- yes, <laughs> someone knew. And I remember, even as a child, I remember watching it being, like, peak romance, like, this is hot. Like, I was like, this because is great. Because they're smart, and they're actually compatible, which is, I yes. will say, rare. It, they have, I will say you are right, in the beginning, I'm like, fuck all these guys being like, stop talking, don't yell, you're annoying, rude. Mm-hmm. But like, they do build up a great witty banter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, was into it. I'm still into it. Mm-hmm. I guess. But then it's so lame when they're like breaking into the crypt or whatever, and they just kiss randomly. Like he's like holding the fire for everyone and she walks by him. And he just goes, okay, yeah, that and is And then bad. the guy behind them and... is like, why does nobody do that with me? <laughs> Is that the guy that later falls down no. to his death? Like, it's a, oh, that's it's a, different a different guy, one. but it's okay. the same team. But that's the other thing about this movie is that they just kill someone, which is surprising yeah. because the whole movie they have guns and the whole movie they're doing dangerous high stuff, but like nobody is ever in danger, really. No, because uh, no one in this movie can shoot someone. Yeah, like that's they, just not their the vibe of this movie. Awful, but like, like they just like shoot left and right all the time. I was very surprised when like someone genuinely died. I was like, oh what it's serious like they raise the fucking they do raise the stakes but it's like for what i don't know also then when he was like someone has to go to prison and then he immediately rats out ian i was like you're kind of a dick like i get it he's your enemy but like ian left him to die yeah but like i thought nicholas cage was supposed to be the high road dude like i thought he was supposed to be Mm, like no ian deserved this and then like that was the whole thing was that at the end nicholas cage is pro prison i keep remember not remembering his name benjamin gates (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like, in my mind, like, some of them, like, Riley is Riley, as in the character. I don't, I don't care about him as an actor. No, me neither. But, like, Nicolas Cage, I can't, like, is just Nicolas Cage, and Diane Kruger is just right? Diane Kruger in this movie. Right, yeah. Like, she's just playing her, like, not, she's not playing herself. She's not a national archivist. But, like, in my mind, like, that's who she is. Like, mm-hmm. a hot German lady, like, who's smart and elegant and wonderful, but also a badass. But also a badass. But also can 
drive a getaway car if needed. I actually don't think she drives in this, but... No, she doesn't. She sets up the, um, like, working with Ian's team, working with the bad guys, which I do enjoy that, like, there's a lot of flipping back and forth in this movie. Like, it's never dull. Like, it starts immediately with a double cross, and then they're working against each other. Yes, and then the dad comes back and helps him with the lie, and it's like... It's great. I do like this whole concept of, like, being able to tell when someone is bluffing, etc. And, like, when is Nicolas Cage bluffing? Like, can the other guy actually tell? Like, that's interesting to me. Yeah. I think it it sets everything up good. Like, even, like, in the Urban Outfitters scene, when they're like, oh, like, take my watch. Like, I'm a diver. Like, this is my diving watch or something. And then he uses it later. It comes up earlier when they, like, look at his college major and, like, his records. Also, one of my notes that I had was just, he's a very smart Boy Scout. Like, end of the day, this guy's just a Boy Scout. He definitely (laughs) He's just prepared, and he knows a lot about history, but ultimately, he's just tying a lot of ropes. Yeah. I think, maybe I love, do I love this because of other things I love? Or, I think I just am obsessed with treasure hunting. Mm -hmm. Like, my favorite video games are fucking, like, Tomb Raider Mm -hmm. and Uncharted. Like, I'm obsessed with those. And, like, Indiana Jones, great. I just love people finding shit. Like, I just love it. I don't as much. Although I will say for myself, I was when I was doing my puzzle, because the last time I did a puzzle, I literally sat at my table for seven hours. And I was like, when have I ever focused this hard? It's because every time I think about quitting, I'm like, no, 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 no. But the next time I look for this piece, I'm going to find it. And then I had the realization, I was like, I could so easily get addicted to gambling. Like, so easily. I could just wow. be like, that's a that's a jump from like doing jigsaw puzzles to gambling. But I'm like surprised by my level of focus when I'm just like, wait, wait, no, the next one I'll get it. Wait, wait, no, the next time I'll get it. Wait, wait, no, the next time I'll get it. Like it's very hard for me to quit. Yeah, well, I guess that's the difference. Is like you do it with puzzles or you do it with blackjack, and like one leads to yes. debt and one like is like you're good at puzzles. Yes. Like go go do a good escape room instead. You know. I'm bad at those though. <laughs> I've been in an escape room with you before and it did not go well. I don't think I contributed even a little bit. I think it would have been better if I hadn't been there. To be fair, I I, I really fucked up on that one because I was the one to convince everyone to go. Oh yeah, it was like, a terrible do idea. This. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's going to be great. Like, it's a scary it's like one. like being in a horror movie. I wanted to die. And the people that we took, like, like yeah, like, it was awful. I just remember at the end when we were losing, you just screaming. <laughs> Don't help me like this, Megan. I knew you were going to be like, you were holding on to us. Well, no, <laughs> my favorite part is not that you were holding on to us, that you were screaming, someone <laughs> get my back. Like, there was someone that was going to attack you in I was this so, escape room. I was so nervous about, like, my, because I was obviously cowering, like, with you guys in a huddle, so my front was covered. <laughs> so concerned about enemy from the back. You were it really, so really brought out the worst in me. Like, And then I just love that, at the, like, as it counts down, then it ends, the lights come on, the actor, like, it's just totally, it's like, are these Yelpers? <laughs> No, the actress in that room, literally the second it ended, she was just, like, started, like, picking things up off the floor and, like, resetting the clues and, like, chewing her gum again. I was like, what are you doing? It was As so you were bizarre. coming down from just screaming, someone get my back. I was literally still screaming, probably, and she, she was like, you guys, you guys were really close. You guys did a really good job. You guys should really come back. You were really close. We were terrible. It was, it was such a bad. It was, it was really, such really a bad, bad one to like introduce people to escape rooms. With, it is. But it's fine. There is a certain type of person that is fun to do an escape room with, and I imagine that I could be that kind of person because I am yeah. kind of egged on. I've done an ex- escape room since that have been successful. Yeah. See, I think 
I have a passion for escape rooms because I have a passion for treasure hunting. Megan is a good person to do escape rooms with, I will admit. Oh, that is the best compliment you could give me. No problem. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Anyway, so we were talking about national treasure. Okay, I'm ready for my final thoughts. Oh, what's your final thoughts? Tell me. I don't know. This movie kind of felt like the Ocean's movies to me. It was like exhilarating in an action way. The characters didn't really have anything interesting to say. They were pretty corny. But like, it was cool because it was American history and you felt, that's a, that's the point I was making earlier. Like you felt smart when you were watching okay, it. Okay, that is true. You were like, I know about Ben Franklin, blah, blah, blah. Also, the best shot of this movie is when he lights the staircase fire on fire and then it's like the room is like 17 times the size they thought it's it was great it's, a really it's good so shot. good it's a really good end. it's good and you're just like you know i probably cried you're just kind of like overcome with like oh my god they did yeah, it because he found it and it's exciting yeah and she's like oh my god these scrolls and then it's like the room is a million times more than they thought yeah no it's great it's fantastic i guess so my final thoughts for this movie is it's i love this movie and am i a little bit ashamed of loving this movie yes but not too much. I am ashamed about how much I let this movie affect my life. Because um, I will admit this now, so it's recorded forever. But I was so obsessed with this movie that as a kid, I begged my parents to take me on a what I was calling a national treasure trip. Oh my trip. god, I remember you telling me about this. Yes. You were like, I've I, only yeah. been to Philadelphia because I wanted to go on a national treasure <laughs> road trip. Literally, I was like, mom, dad, I must go to every site in National Treasure. Like, that was my goal. Because I was like, I was so into it that I was like, I, I to this day, I refer to it as my na my first East Coast trip in my life was called the National Treasure Trip. And it shall remain that way forever. I mean, that's a cuckoo level of obsession. But like, as a parent, if my child were like, I'm super interested in American history, basically, I'd be like, cool, yeah, we can go to Philly and DC and New York. Like, why not? You know, like, yeah, it's like inspired by national treasure but like everybody goes to liberty bell it's not that crazy but yeah that's also another reason why it makes this movie great is it inspired kids to be into history and it was like you and felt like smart. it could be real you were like if i went to wall street and broadway like maybe i could you know yeah is my dream to go on a treasure hunt like a real life one yes 100 percent. that is my lifelong dream paul in australia hit me up if you want to go deep sea diving for those spanish doubloons did you like Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that even about of treasure? Of course I did. Oh my god. It's vaguely about treasure. Did you watch that TV show, Treasure Hunters? Where it was the teams of three? No. Oh my god, you would love it. What is I this? I watched the whole thing. What I, is this? I watched this show when I was probably like eight with my family and I was obsessed with it. It was teams of three. It's Amazing Race vibes. But it's like okay, clues, love it. clues about American history. It's all about it. It's literally called Treasure Hunters. And then I watched it again on YouTube, I want to say, when I was like 17. And I was like, the show slaps. It's literally... Okay, I'll find it and send it to you after because you would love okay, it. Okay, obviously, it's literally, obviously about treasure this. hunting, which is great. That's all that I want. You know this already. I all I want is treasure hunting. It starts with two teams. I mean, it starts with two sections, and they both start. One starts in Alaska, and one starts in Hawaii, and then they like move across. One of them's at Mount Rushmore. Ooh, I enjoy this. Okay, I will have to watch that because again, treasure hunting is great. This movie is fantastic, and I love it. What was your letterbox review? What was your star rating? I think I'm gonna give it a two. I'm giving it a four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like you like it twice as much. I mean, I just got bored and I'd seen it before. I was just like, this is fine. Like, this didn't invoke in me any sort of love. More so than, mm. like, Chamber of Secrets, you know? Interesting. Yeah, this one got me fucking pumped, so. <laughs> okay. I'm happy about that. Cool. 
that concludes that. Now, Charlotte, would you like to talk about your pick? So, I thought about many movies that I'm embarrassed to like. Um, first of all, obviously my mind went to rom-coms, because as you know, I like- See, that's the thing about Megan. To be honest, you don't really have that many movies that are embarrassing that you like. I feel like I have a long list of mostly rom-coms that I'm like- Like, my- one, two of my favorites are Sweet Home Alabama and Sydney White, which I think are both mm-hmm. kind of, like, trite and bad. But I just love watching them because I, well, first of all, this episode is not about Sweet Home Alabama. But the best, <laughs> the important thing about Sweet Home Alabama is that, like, at no point do you see a choice that is correct. She basically gets caught between two men, but you're like, she's caught between two versions of herself, and both of them are valid for various reasons. Anyway, so I think the movie is good. But I have, a, <laughs> most of the things that Megan likes are just, like, good movies. Like, you like a lot of critically acclaimed movies and, like, classically good directors. Yeah. Well, one, I think that's because I I just tend to want to watch movies like that, and I don't spend time watching movies that aren't, like, critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a few in there for sure. But I think the big thing is that I'm not a rom-com fan. And that eliminates almost all the ones that I, most people are embarrassed about. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I my mind went there originally. I was like, okay. And then this week I watched the movie Kicking and Screaming, which is the... The 1995 version by Noah Baumbach, not the 2005 Will Ferrell one about soccer. <laughs> Notably, I watched it and I was like obsessed with it kind of immediately. And then I was like, wow, I'm so ashamed by how obsessed I am with this because the movie in essence is about nothing. It's like four white dudes who have money and are recently graduated. One of the biggest issues of the movie, in my opinion, what fucking school did they go to? The whole movie is filmed at Occidental. Yeah. And it's, a lot of it takes place in, like, November, and they're in shorts. So I'm like, this is California, but they seem so, like, East Coast Williams they talk about they. I think they talk about being, like, in Chicago, not Chicago, but, like, they're somewhere, there's well, they definitely talk about somewhere flying to Chicago. Oh. Well, they talk about New York. First of yeah. all, his dad is, like, talking about the village. Any, anyway, I'm ahead of myself. Okay. Four dudes graduate from college. They're completely listless. None of them have any interest in getting a job. Mostly they want to just hang around their old college bars. The movie has basically nothing happening. I guess the center of it is kind of like Grover and his girlfriend Jane um, break up because she gets um, accepted to school in Prague. And so that's kind of, he's listless. He doesn't know what he's doing without his girlfriend. His friends also don't want to get a job. One of his friends turns down <laughs> getting a mechanical engineer master's degree. And it's just insane. insane. An insane turn down. It's just so stupid. It's completely elitist. Nothing of any merit goes on but it's so well written and it's so funny and it resonated so much with me probably because i'm young and doing nothing with my life and i was just like this movie is great and i want to watch it every day and that's so embarrassing well what i will say is the first note that i have is wow is this us like that was the first note that i had because it did this movie well one critically this movie is not like a national treasure this is Got a, it has a it has mixed reviews. I'm not gonna lie. It's like 57% Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a 75% on Metacritic. Um, and a lot of people really like this movie. But I I totally get what you mean. Like I watched this and I was like, I I really like this movie. Like it connected in a way that I I guess is shameful to admit how much it like connected with me because you're literally just watching white dudes waste away because they're too fucking lazy to do anything i mean one of the best parts is when he has that moment where he's like i wish we could just go away to war like i wish i could just retire right now there's several points in the movie where he's like 
I wish we were just old. Like, I wish we didn't have to do this part in the middle that is messy and annoying and confusing. And I wish that every single day of my life. Yeah, my question right off the bat for you is, because this is my guess about who you were the most obsessed with in the group. Were you in love with Max? Of course. I mean, okay, good. the thing about it, first of all, Max dates a high schooler, which, no thank you. There, the long list of movies where people date high schoolers. Scott Pilgrim, Pineapple Express, this movie, Badlands. Like, literally, what is it about adult men just being like, I'm gonna date a high schooler. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like that's the thing with this movie that was weird for me. I was, like, very conflicted about this movie. Like, somehow, despite all its flaws, it still really resonated with Mm me. But, like, it is. The group of guys are fucking awful. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just, like, they're just, like, lame, sad boys that need to get over themselves. So much. And then there's, like, yeah, the super problematic, like, you're dating someone who is just turning 17. And nobody has any comment on that. You also fuck your friend's girlfriend. And then the first thing that Grover says is, how was she? you know gross so gross but but at the same time they have like you said they he writes great female characters yeah somehow still the thing about it that i liked was that i was like okay these dudes are acting douchey but i could imagine that this is a real person that would really act this way whereas there's nobody on earth who is nicholas cage playing benjamin gates you know like nobody talks like that and we're willing to suspend that belief but you don't have to suspend anything for baumbach because he just writes very realistic characters which like at the end of the day, you could argue, who cares? Who cares that Bombat can write a realistic white dude? Like, what does that give you? Yeah, but, like, the way that he wrote the character Jane, like, I loved her. Her retainer. And also, that's what I was going to bring up. The The moment at the beginning when she has her retainer, I was like, I'm obsessed with this. Like, this is amazing. And it, I, I wasn't obsessed with it at first because it struck me at first as, like, why is she doing it? Like, she's not eating anything. You know, there's no reason she's taking it out. It's kind of just to, like, show you that she's awkward, I think. But then I thought about, like, that's totally something I do. Like, when I had fucking braces and rubber bands, I would literally just play with them, even though it was gross. Like... Yeah, like, when I think about, like, as someone who still has retainers that I wear at night, like, whenever I'm, like, talking with people, yeah, like, you have to take them out, because I'm like, oh, I sound like I'm lisping, and it's gross. But she'll take them out at such, like, odd points, and then put them back in, and you're kind of like, oh, that's cute, and it's real, but then you're like... That was kind of nice that that was a detail. And also that, like, she's comfortable around him, but also kind of awkward around him. I just liked their dynamic. So you were, like, you were obsessed with Max, Charlotte, and I was, but I was obsessed with, like, the concept of being Jane and finding a Grover. Because the first scene between Jane and Grover is incredible. The part I have so... Well, first of all, let's start. The first line of the movie is Mm -hmm. some guy saying, I think violence is always justified some of the time, which is hilarious. And the absolute first thing you would hear at a party like that, at an elite college. Yeah. And the thing that I like is when Jane says, you know, you remind me of that thing from that movie. And Grover just immediately goes, no, I'm not like him. Because he knows what she's talking about, which is the hottest thing to me, is when, like, a couple can have, like, a conversation on a level that's absolutely below everyone else. Yeah. But at the same time, like, that first scene bothered me because he's such a dick to her. When she's like, I'm going to go find my dreams. Exactly. But that's why he obviously is a dick. Which I understand because he's blindsided by the news that his girlfriend isn't coming with him. And I think the thing is that he's behind her, right? Which is shown by the fact Mm -hmm. that he keeps smoking and then is mad at her that she's like, you know I quit. And he's like, you're the one that made me smoke. Like, fuck you. And she's like, you're being a child. Which he is. Yeah. And then, you know, you can follow the full arc when at the end he's like, no, no, wait. I need to do this for me and for her and blah, blah, blah. And it's also so funny that he's like, Prague is such a cliche, as if Park Slope isn't a cliche. Like, yeah. 
Well, I will, uh, maybe that's also why I love Jane is I did like again like I went to like go do film school in Prague and stuff like that. Like it's like that's like stuff that you're like oh like she just feels real like at least in our world that we were exposed to it feel like you have to have gone to a liberal arts school to have like and in that type of environment to get this movie and connect with it like i don't think it exists anywhere else literally the best scene of any movie is when he kicks broken glass into a pile and puts a sign over it that says broken glass like that is absolutely a metaphor for liberal arts experience like he is simply labeling a problem instead of just getting a broom it's hilarious to me and i think the thing that I liked about this movie was that the first scene was so sharp and the writing was so good and like all of the characters crystallized so quickly. And I will say the middle falls apart a little bit. Like if there's, mm-hmm. I think the beginning is really good and I think the end is really good, but I wouldn't have watched it if the beginning weren't so good, you know? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. And then I guess the other thing that I also loved and I, I we were texting about this. I was obsessed with the fact that Jane got too drunk for therapy. And we know why I'm obsessed with it is because this has fully happened to me. Yes. And you were with me when this happened to me. Yes. And you were like, do I have to call them and tell them that I won't be at therapy in 15 minutes because I'm drunk? <laughs> yeah. How in my mind, which again, this is also like liberal, liberal arts college thing like that you can never get anywhere else. Like in your college years being like, I think in my mind I can drink a full bottle of champagne by myself in the span of 20 minutes and then go to therapy an hour later. Like, what was I thinking? I wasn't. I wasn't. Like, and did I have to lie to my therapist and say, oh, I'm feeling sick. I can't. I can't talk to you. Yeah. Slurring it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I could text her. Like, thank God I just have her on speed dial and favorites of my phone. Yeah. I can't do this. Was, so sorry. Like, there were definitely things that I was like, this is an experience that I had. Specifically the English class where every... Okay, I wrote this in one of my notes, but basically all of the lines that Baumbach writes are like, you know when something happens in real life that is just so on the nose, like ironic, that you're like, mm-hmm. it's the... What is the quote that people use? Like, you couldn't write this shit. It's like, he writes all of the stuff that's just one inch too heavy-handed for it to be real but that's why it's funny and that's why it's good because it's like the best of realness yeah does that make sense so that's what i felt about the class is like when they're all he's obviously writing a stupid story about victoria's secret like classic men in a writing class just using it as an example to like write sexy women and everyone's like this is such art and you're like finally there's a woman in the class who was like this is kind of bad and he's writing about nothing which is also hilarious because noah baumbach puts this in the middle of a movie about nothing She's like, why do you have characters that concern themselves with literally nothing? Like, that's the thing is he's so self-aware in this. Like, there's a there's problems with this movie. But in terms of like the fact that he was 25 with it and this was like his writing debut and stuff like that. And I think that's so interesting because he is able to capture it so well because I think he's still in it. You know, like you're 25, like you're still so close to it, which was a part of the criticism that I've read about this movie is that they're like, he's too close to it to actually reflect on it. Oh, there's no reflection. But at the same time, that's what I'd like about it is that it's not reflective. It's just like, this is just how I feel now. And I think for people in our points in our lives, we're like, this connects this is totally our experience and we get it i definitely was like would i enjoy this the same level if i weren't doing what i'm doing at this age right now definitely not and obviously the criticism of this is like will you enjoy it if it doesn't resonate if you didn't have this very specific experience i don't know i do think it's universally good writing 
but it's good writing because you're like, wow, I could imagine this being a person in my life. Yeah. No, I read this because I was like reading a bunch of reviews after this because I thought this was a really interesting movie. Yeah, it's interesting. You're kind of like, what do I like about this? Because you hate it because it's embarrassing. Yeah, it's it's because it's it is pretentious. It's it's talking about subjects in such a like a white privilege bubble that you're like, I shouldn't like this, but I do. Yeah, you're mad that it got funded. Yeah. But I was, so I was, I looked at Roger Ebert's review of this, because you know this about me. I, I love him as a film critic. I think he's really interesting. And I wrote down one of his quotes from his review, which is a fantastic review, and you should read it if you haven't. But he frames this movie as talking about distinctions of class and how it defines everything in life, about like, you know, like what you're exposed to and what you're not. He says, the movies are said to be a great influence on audiences, but in most cases that doesn't happen because audiences choose movies that agree with what they already think. If your idea of a great time is sitting on the floor of a used bookstore, you are likely to enjoy kicking and screaming. And I thought that was like the best review of it because this movie is not for everyone. I feel like for us, it makes sense. It's our experience. And maybe that's why you gravitated towards it. Mm -hmm. And... We are the people that would sit on the floor of a used bookstore. Like, I remember when I showed you around LA the first time, we went to, like, the Lost Bookstore. Yeah. I was just talking to Allison about this, actually, our friend Allison, and she was like, all these people complain that Greta Gerwig's, you know, Lady Bird and Little Women doesn't have any people of color, and she's like, totally, but that wasn't Greta Gerwig's experience, and Greta Gerwig is allowed to make a movie about her experience, as long as you're also giving money to people who are going to make movies about different experiences. Like, the issue isn't necessarily that this movie shouldn't have been made by Noah Baumbach. It's just that, like, we should have had other movies made at the same time by other people. You have to to elevate the same voices. Because, like, you're right. Because I wouldn't want to see Noah Baumbach writing like a person of color story they can't he can't talk about that. He doesn't have that experience. This was clearly his experience. And it's so sharp because it is so lived in. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you're like, I would love to see other people make sharp and lived in pieces. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's one of those things where like, it is, it feels, I, it feels so privileged. Yeah. Like the whole thing is just so privileged. And these people are complaining about truly no problems. It's it's, like, this is the epitome of mumblecore. Literally. Okay. I was going to bring this up. Is this, is this mumblecore? Is this movie mumblecore? Absolutely. I think it is. Especially. It's heavy dialogue. Like. Yeah. And especially, I think, the best lines. I have a lot of lines for Max. I mean, Max is obviously the one that puts the broken glass piece of paper. He also has the incredible line where he's talking about, I wish there was a war or I wish we were retired. He goes, don't you sometimes wish there was another position in sex, just something else to do? Just like, and then he goes, what I used to be able to pass off as a bad summer might now turn into a bad life. It's just like so, he just like crystallizes the moment into like one sentence. Like when he's like, I found myself writing in my date book go to sleep and wake up as if they're different activities like it's interesting because i feel like i mean he has a plot but i feel like otis has his video planet thing and grover has jane and skippy has miami and he eventually gets with kate but for a while he's just kind of like the guy with the one-liners you know yeah he he is i feel like in a way like he's the one who's most lost in the entire because he's also like the richest and i feel like he graduates with nothing i guess like i wonder because that is when they, in the initial scene, when they all play that game, it's like, what's the worst thing that could happen after graduation? And they all say things. He doesn't say anything, I don't think. 
No. But I think that's also, like, an interesting point that the movie makes, which, again, is a privileged point, but, like, with the the Chet character, the bartender that's, like, a student forever. Mm -hmm. But, like, I loved that little dialogue between him and Grover when he was like, that's just what I want to be. I want to be a student. Like, some people want a career. I don't. Mm -hmm. And obviously... That is a very, like, lucky thing to be able to do, but, like, you're like, I get it, you know? And I totally get it as a person who's like, I have no idea, I have no career. Like, every day I'm like, imagine if I were just, like, 50, and I could just be like, okay, I'm fine, I made it through the sticky- I was like, I wrote (laughs) this whole thing when I was watching this about the scariest part of life for me isn't that I'll be faced with hard things- or that I'll have to work jobs that I hate, or that I'll be broke for a long time. The scariest thing is that I would do all of that and have no reward. And that I would still end up just, like, renting a shitty apartment with roommates. Like, that's the the worst part about life, isn't that, like, you have to do hard stuff. It's just, like, you don't know what direction will get you to a result. And I think that's what this movie captures so well, is just the, the sense of anxiety and listlessness and being, like, I'm not ready for life. Mm Mm-hmm is so well captured in this movie. And I think the desire for nostalgia, like they love nostalgia, they're obsessed. You know, that's Max's whole thing. He's like, I have nostalgia for events that haven't happened yet. And I feel that way all the time. Like, I feel like everything is better in retrospect. So it sucks that I have those events in front of me now instead of behind me. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that Grover and Jane's relationship was good. I thought, I think you brought this up in your letterbox interview. The fucking way the flashbacks like light up into existence was lame. That's my main problem with this movie. Why I probably didn't give it a higher like rating overall is just because the editing bothered me so much. Like this was, in my opinion, a poorly edited movie. I hated the, like you were talking about the flashbacks. It felt so cheesy um i thought it was so jarring i really didn't like the black inserts with like the timelines all the time which in a way had a sort of charm to them but like it just took me out of the movie all the time where you're like "Mm." i didn't think it added anything except for the fact that i guess it's like it's how you think during that time like in college you're like oh it's like by finals it's by this it's three months till you know summer vacation or something like that but it was it just it was a little as a on movie the nose. device yeah, yeah as a movie device and an editing technique i did not like it because like yeah you would get really involved in the writing and the dialogue and then it would make some weird editing choice that i was not a fan of and i think that's that's where i have mixed feelings towards the movies like i like the idea of it i like the writing i like the script but like the execution isn't necessarily my favorite mm-hmm. i agree and that's just it's his first movie and you're kind of like okay you know you're willing to forget that yeah the fact that he is 25 doing this is wild yeah i definitely was like he's much more of a writer than he is a director in my opinion like that was what he was kind of showcasing but yeah but like i feel like this is such a specific genre of film like you know like noah baumbach is like with greta like they're dating didn't you think jane totally looked at greta Yes, 100%. 100% looked like, maybe that's why they're they're together. You know, like, subconsciously. Like, that's his ideal woman, and that it was Greta. I definitely, like, some of their conversations, I was like, I bet this is what it sounds like to, like, have a dinner with Greta and Noah. Yeah. No, and it's, they have such a distinct writing style, and they're very much like, oh, how do we capture, you know, 
this moment. But I, I think I think there is a point, the fact that he's so close to it that he can't really reflect on it mm-hmm. is like a detriment to it. Because when you think about like Lady Bird with Greta Gerwig, that movie's fantastic and it hits all the right points, but it's like clearly Greta writing about her life but she's far enough removed from it that she can add in all the nuances like with the relationship with her mom like there's a lot of things like that that you can do when you've had time and space to reflect on that time period but in this movie like yeah he's 25 he's still in that phase of being like i'm not ready for real life or maybe he maybe he was i don't know i don't know his life story yeah which is perhaps part of the reason that it's about nothing it's because he doesn't really have anything to say yet about this part of his life. He's just kind of in it and is like, wow, isn't this such a specific way that these people talk to each other? I'm going to write that. Which is kind of how I feel when I write things at this point. Like sometimes I'll hear things or I'll say things and I'm like, oh, that would be... I feel very much like Jane sometimes. Like I'm like in my notes app being like, oh, that was a cool moment. And I just love that. I think that's where I wrote, like this is probably Noah and Greta, where like he's like, can't we have one spontaneous conversation that doesn't end up in one of your stories? And she's like, well, you want it first, you know, like, it's this funny, like, they're both just so smart and on the same level, and they can't really escape their own art. No, it was, it was, it's just an interesting movie, and, yeah, it's one of those ones where, like, even if you didn't want to like it, you still liked it. I don't know, like, I know this is one that you think is, like, shame, like, shameful to like, but I'm like, I don't know if it really is. Yeah, it's shameful to like just because it's, like, more dude circle jerking, but I love watching it. Yeah, like, part of me is, like, I would love to see this movie with women. Yeah. Like, I think about... I mean, we have girls. We would be more into that. Yeah. Like, it is girls, essentially. But not really. It's not, though. It's not. Stuff happens in girls. But, I don't know, this, like, struck a chord with me, and I was like, this is great. But sometimes that's the type of movie you need. It's totally the type of movie I need every day, and I... God, I hope I outgrow the space where I want to watch this movie every day. But in terms of, like, I guess final thoughts on, like, these two movies together, which is weird because, like, last week I feel like we were in such similar veins of movies and now we are in, like, just completely Mm -hmm. different playing fields. And I'm like, it's hard to compare these two to be like, oh, which one's better or stuff like that. Because I'm like, objectively, Kicking and Screaming is a more interesting movie. And, like, if I was going to recommend someone to go watch a movie for a first time, I'd be like, go watch that one. It's interesting. Yes. Whereas, like, National Treasure, like, it's just, it's a different ballgame. Like, if you want to have a great time, like, go watch National Treasure. But if you really want something that's going to make you think, Kicking and Screaming is clearly the way to go. Does Kicking and Screaming make you think? Or does it just project somebody on a screen that you're like, LOL, I've met them. LOL, I've been in that writing class. I guess that's a good point. I don't know if I thought on it or I just reflected on my own experiences. But, like, that's also provoking thought. The best part for me was... Grover's initial shock at her going to Prague and then his monologue at the end to the woman. Of course, like, what is with this man never having ID? Is that just, like, a metaphor for unpreparedness for life? But I do like at the end that he's finally just, like... Because she's the smart one in the beginning. He's like, why would I go to Prague? And she's like, Mm because you're doing nothing and I'm there. Like, what's the big deal? You're just going to be listless here or you're going to be listless in Prague. And he's like, thinks that he's better than that. And then at the end, he's finally willing to admit, like, I'm horribly confused, but at least I'm taking yeah. action. I will say that ending is it's a beautiful monologue. Like that is a great 
I really enjoyed that ending, especially that they're like, he can't go yet. Mm-hmm. But they're like, you can do it tomorrow. Like being like, you don't, just because you can't, you figure it out now doesn't mean that you have to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's still going to be there and you can do it. But yeah, it's it's a nice feeling. And I don't know, it made me smile that like, he didn't go for comedy there where like the person, um, the flight, not a flight attendant, the lady working the desk at the airport. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, Me neither. That lady. Like, she takes it so seriously. And she's like, I get you. And I want to help you. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it was sweet. It's just, it it made me smile at the end. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's kind of like, <laughs> the same reminds me of the scene where in National Treasure where Diane Kruger's behind the meat counter. And the woman's like, you can't be back here unless you're a steak. And then she's like, are you hiding from someone? Is that your ex-husband? Like, I get why you left him. And it's just like funny. And you're like, wow. That's a great line. Yeah, it is a great line. And it's just like a nice interaction with the world around them. I don't know. Ultimately, just, I liked it. It resonated with me. It's a dumb elitist story. Yeah. I feel like what I took away from this, like, whole thing, though, and us talking about it, is like, don't be, I don't think anyone should be ashamed of the movies that they love. Like, people love them for different reasons, and they connect with you at different points in the year of your life. And that's what makes movies great. And I think that's the point of movies is that they connect with you in that moment. And it's okay if it doesn't connect with other people. If it connects with you, then the movie did its job. And there's nothing to be ashamed of for it. But also, it's us, so we are still going to be ashamed of it because... I'm ashamed of everything. Yeah.